Hello there, how are we all doing? It's Mr. Turpod here and welcome to Dork Turpod, a new and exciting collaboration between myself and Dork Dancing, which was founded by Eaton Levy and started here in Da Nang in Vietnam. Dork Turpod will record as podcast the powerful mental health and occasionally addiction recovery stories of fellow dorks in the community. My name is Eugene Leonard, or Mr. Turpod. I'm going to be your host on today's episode. Aren't you very lucky? <laughs> We're going to be hearing from one of our, our dorks in the community, Miss Sierra Downing. Sierra is from, you know what, I don't even know which part of the state Sierra is from. I've been sitting talking to her the last few weeks and I can't even remember. <laughs> she will share with us today, first of all, her experience with anxiety. And she will open up and talk about her relationship with dance and how dance and meditation has changed her life. She's a huge part of the dork community here in Da Nang, in many, many ways, actually. <laughs> now, a little bit of housekeeping. Dork Turpod is available on Anchor, Apple, Google, Spotify, Breaker, and many other platforms where podcasts are available. Just search for Dork Turpod. It's one word, and I've been told I can't even pronounce Turpod right. It's T-H-E-R-P-O-D. Irish people struggle to pronounce any words with T-H in them, as you might know. Anyway, you can uh, to, please remember to subscribe to the podcast in whichever platform uh, you use. Like, comment, and most importantly, please share our posts with your friends. I know my sister Bridget really likes the podcast and she shares them on. Take a look at our Dork Turpod, Dork Turpod Facebook page and share our posts with your friends. On the last episode, we heard the story of Olga Pibars, the really talented Catalan photographer here in Da Nang. It's a really wonderful episode. I enjoyed so much sitting down with Olga, Sierra and Ethan for the opening three episodes. Listen, that's all from me for now. First part of the show, we're going to hear Sierra's story. And then after that, I will... Uh, interview Sierra. Now the interview took place yesterday in the Windsor Tea House in Da Nang. The best tea house in the whole world. Thank you very much High End for opening up early for us to record the podcast. Now in the background you're going to hear some crackling noises in the interview. That's actually they have a TV in the background in, in the Windsor Tea House and there's like logs burning. So that's the crackling noises you will hear in the background. We couldn't get that out. Anyway, it's grand. You'll enjoy the episode anyway. Take it easy. Hello, everyone. My name's Sierra Downing, and this is my story. I first recognized that I was an anxious person when I was in college, but my relationship with anxiety began at a much younger age than that. Growing up, my life at home was complicated, so school became my safe place. I was a passionate little girl with a strong sense of my own beliefs and values. I would fight for whatever I thought was right, regardless if I was alone or not. My teachers and peers seemed to like that quality in me, and I felt comfortable with them. I liked who I was at school, and so I began to attach myself to that image. As time passed, my mind slowly started to build that image up of how I thought others perceived me. I felt like I had to hold myself to those standards or else. Acting should have been my major because I was playing whatever role I needed to make sure others would accept me. I became pretty good at it. It almost felt natural. You see, when I was young, I was able to combat the anxiety I felt at home with the freedom I felt at school. It made it manageable at first. 
the older I got, the more the anxiety started to creep into that image I had of myself and take control over me. It was my fourth year in college when my anxiety drove me into a state of depression. I was playing too many roles and I could no longer keep up with each one. Every little mistake invoked so much fear within me. Those moments would replay in my head over and over again to the point that my body would naturally go into fight or flight mode just from thinking about them. I finally reached a point where I was ready to ask for help. But when I did, the support wasn't available to me. I felt numb. Unconsciously, as a coping mechanism, I turned to shut out everything so I couldn't feel anything. The anxiety I had around being disconnected from others ended up pushing me further away from those connections. Without having others to tell me who I am, I didn't know who I was. I became fearful of exploring new interests because somehow I always felt behind compared to others. I stopped allowing myself to even try. I lived my life like this for quite some time. Those closest to me knew something was up, but I had a hard time accepting everything. I tried to hide it as much as possible. It wasn't until I discovered yoga and meditation that things started to change. Together, they taught me how to get comfortable with being uncomfortable, how to recognize the emotions that came up, and how to acknowledge them instead of shutting them out. I may not have control over how others perceive me, but ultimately, I'm the one who has control over how I feel, and it was time to take that control back. To say my anxiety is gone would be a lie. It's still there, but the difference now is my awareness of it. I've been able to reflect on my past and understand when anxiety was lying to me. Now, when I recognize it's showing up, I'm able to separate myself from it. Although there is still much work to be done, I'm celebrating the growth that's already occurred. Dancing for me is one of my favorite kinds of celebration. Throughout my life, music has always been my escape from reality. I use it to help me tune into sensations and experiences I wanted to feel. When I listen to music, it takes me out of whatever headspace I'm in and into each song's story. I feel each song so deeply. Sometimes it causes me to over-identify with the emotions, and it can be hard to let those feelings go. Dancing helps me release, bring me back to the present moment, and get me out of my head. It makes me curious, too about the different ways I can move my body. Similar to others, I danced only in the privacy of my room. It was a safe place for me to explore new movements. The thought of showing that side of me in front of others was terrifying. At school dances, I would sit and watch others because I cared too much about how my teachers would perceive my style of dancing. It wasn't until college that I would openly dance. Still, I had to be at a bar with a group of close friends so I wouldn't receive unwanted attention. Some people would sexualize my dancing, and sure, it can be considered sexy, but to me, it's a way to honor myself and all that I am. Dancing is a way to empower my femininity. Dork dancing was something new to me. I first learned about dork dancing when Ethan shared with me his creative idea to start this community in Da Nang. The idea seemed very ambitious, and I was intrigued by it. Excited and curious, I was ready to see how the events at the beach would turn out. Then, the reality of dork dancing sunk in. 
The events were hosted during broad daylight in a popular location. I could feel a wave of anxiety flowing through my body just thinking about it. I wasn't sure how I would feel secure enough to allow myself to freely dance with nowhere to hide. My style of dancing isn't considered dorky, and I was scared of how others might judge that. Still, I decided to show up and give it a shot. I felt uncomfortable at the beginning during the start of my first dork dancing event, but another dork dancer named Ty encouraged me to let loose and just have fun with it. The more dork dancing events I showed up to, the more I felt connected and comfortable with the community that was being built. Now, when I go to dork dancing, it energizes me, and I can feel more of a lightness being present, knowing I have a safe place to connect with myself and others. My dork dancing story is still being written, but I've seen tremendous growth in my comfort in the idea of freely dancing in public. Every event gives me a space to challenge negative thoughts, but not alone, with a community of others who are going through the same process. I will continue to show up at Dork Dancing for the joy, people, and presence it brings me. I encourage others who may be interested to give it a try. Ultimately, only you are holding yourself back from the person you want to be. I learned about that because of my anxiety slowly over time. Meditation, yoga, and dork dancing helps. Much love to Ethan and the community of dork dancers for making all of this possible. My name is Sierra, and thank you for listening to my dork turpod story. Sierra Downing, thank you very much for sharing your dork dancing story with us here on Dork Turpod. It's an incredible story. It's really, really powerful. And I know for one, my sister Bridget, who is listening to these Dark Tour pod- podcasts, absolutely loves it. So I want to thank you so much for sharing with us. Yeah, thank you for having me. Honestly, it's not something that I ever expected to do, but I'm so happy to be here and to have this conversation. And yeah, thanks for providing the space for me. <laughs> you are more than welcome. Now, we listened to your story uh, in the first part of the show. I'm, I'm just going to ask you a couple of questions, if okay. that's okay with yeah, you. Yeah, of course, definitely. I listened back to your story uh, yesterday when I was editing, as I mentioned, and the line that really stuck out for me was, Every little mistake invoked so much fear. Mm. Could, could you share a little bit about uh, about that sentence? Yeah, I feel like um, there was a point in my life where, you know, I was just, I had this expectation of myself and expectation that I thought that others held for me. And uh, whenever I didn't meet that expectation, I could just feel like, Oh my gosh, I can, I can feel the feeling in my body right now just talking about it. <laughs> um, but it's just like um, a wave of anxiety just like take over and uh, just so much energy in my body. And it would just kind of result in like more, you know, thoughts and like things that I'm doing wrong and just like just really bad negative self-talk. Um, but yeah, so that's kind of every single mistake that I made just yeah, it was just telling me that I wasn't good enough. And it was, yeah, it was a hard time, but. <laughs> that was in your fourth year of college. You spoke yeah, it was my fourth specifically. year. Yeah, specifically. Um, and it's crazy too, because I hid all of that from everyone. Like no one could see, 
Like I'm really good at hiding things and I'm really bad about not asking or about asking for help. And uh, only like one friend, one really good friend really knew what was going on. And uh, she, she's, oh, she's amazing. She's so helpful. Her name's Sandra. And uh, she helped me get through through it mostly. Uh, I had mentioned that I wasn't able, you know, I tried to reach out for um, support. I tried to talk to um, a counselor or a therapist uh, through the through my uh, university. And I went to go schedule an appointment. I was, I was telling them like I was really struggling. And essentially they told me that there wasn't anything available for four months and which is really unacceptable. But I just kind of lost it. And I was like, you know, Sierra, you've you've been in these low points, you know, before, and you just have to you have to figure it out. So I kind of I found different, maybe unhealthy coping mechanisms to kind of get through it. But yeah, it was it was intense. Can you uh, expand upon those? Yeah, I think I think my coping mechanism. I kind of explained a little bit, but I just I turned to shutting down, mm-hmm. just not feeling anything. Sometimes I feel. Like it's hard for me to retrieve some emotions or to like tune into different sensations and emotions because I'm so used to just, yeah, turning everything off and just not feeling anything. Because the, the the emotions that I were feel that I was feeling and the, the pain that I was feeling was so intense. So yeah. <laughs> um, what did you do to get out of that situation? I kind of continued like that, honestly, um, for a while, and then I moved to China, and I. I went to a uh, yoga teacher training course and I learned about meditation and that is kind of where everything changed for me. In the process, I hated meditation. I was like, oh my goodness, I don't want to sit here with myself. This is terrible. But after I actually graduated um, the the course, I went home and I looked up um, an MBSR program. I found um, mindfulness online and I found an eight-week course that I took and uh, every day I would meditate for um, 20 to 30 minutes. And uh, that is what really changed my life. And it got me to realize, you know, this inner world that I created um, and kind of just start to observe my reaction to certain situations and certain expectations I had for myself. And it it helped me really tune into like my self-talk and like what I was actually saying to myself in those moments of anxiety and uh yeah i have to say that it's definitely changed my life anxiety is still there though and it comes and you know i have good days and i have bad days i have okay days um but i feel like i'm better able to manage it now thank you very much sir there was a lot in that answer (laughs) lots and lots of things Um, one of the things i would like to go back to is you said you had one friend to talk to. That's all it takes, actually. Yeah. I've been very fortunate with uh, the friends that I've had and, you know, my sister growing up, and I've always felt very supported from them. But my one friend, Sandra, she's such a good listener, and that is what I is what I didn't really have, someone to really listen. I had good friends to give me advice, but I never had a friend to really just listen. And she kind of just provided that space for me where, you know, she didn't, she didn't ask me questions. She just sat with me and just let me vent to her. And I think that was, I could hear, she was like a soundboard. I could hear myself, you know, clearly. And uh, yeah, so I'm very grateful for her. <laughs> I love her so much. Um, but yeah, yeah, friends are so important.
That's a really good piece of advice. Actually, yeah. if a friend comes to you and have a problem, just listen. Mm -hmm. I call it the lost art of active listening. People really struggle nowadays to actually keep quiet and listen to another person mm -hmm. without judgment and just let the other person share and vent because it really helps. Mm -hmm. Definitely. I feel like I even notice it within myself where I will be having a conversation with someone and I'm asking them questions like, wait, no, like just listen to them because they might not need, you know, your advice or they might know what they should do, but they're struggling with actually doing it. So just be there and be that sounding board for them. Yeah. <laughs> listen to understand, not listen to respond. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And that is so important. But yeah. <laughs> Thank you very much for that. Yeah, no worries. I want to go back to something that you, you talked about um, in your story. You said, you see, when I was young, I was able to combat the anxiety I felt at home with the freedom I felt at school. It made it manageable at first. Mm -hmm. But then you talked about when you went to college, your anxiety drove you into a state of depression. Mm -hmm. I want you to talk to us about this next line. I was playing too many roles. Mm -hmm. Now, I could really understand that because, you know, some days I woke up and I was like, who am I today? Right. <laughs> yeah. So with that, I felt like like I had mentioned before, but I had these expectations in my head that I thought others had for me. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I needed to be, I needed to play that role. I needed to be that person in order for them to, you know, I guess maybe you could say love me or mm -hmm. to accept me. Mm -hmm. And uh, so it just felt like a constant, like whoever I'm with, I have to constantly be in my head and monitor, monitor the things that I say in order to, satisfy their needs what they need from me in order to please them and with every situation like work school i was just constantly playing this role of like okay who who do you need me to be so so that way you can accept me and uh yeah it was just it was easy to play at first and then there's too many roles too many mistakes and then i just kind of that's when i got hit and uh I started to struggle, <laughs> but yeah. It was mentally exhausting. It was exhausting. Even thinking about it is exhausting, mm -hmm. but yeah. It's not a really authentic way to live, is it? Definitely not, no. Um, I, still, I still find myself, you really have to be uh, present and really tune into yourself and, and check in with yourself because it's so easy for me to go back to that habit too of people-pleasing and is something that I feel like I'm always going to have to work with uh, in different situations and different relationships that I have. But yeah, it can be exhausting and just taking the time and the space that you need to figure out exactly what it is you want and clearly setting the boundaries. I didn't know boundaries. I gave up. I had no boundaries for anyone. Like anyone could have asked anything for me and, you know, um, but yeah, so it was exhausting. It wasn't. It wasn't authentic, and it's. Yeah. Did Did you take a conscious decision at some stage to try to change this aspect of your personality, or did it come automatically? Yeah, I think it came more automatically. I don't think there was a conscious decision to be like a moment that was like an aha moment. I think it just gradually grew over time, and as I started to notice these things about myself. I started to understand a little bit more and more, but yeah, gradual. 
Sarah, it's really interesting that you find yourself here in Da Nang where dog dancing has taken off because you see in your story that dancing has basically played a huge role throughout your life mm. and it's one of your favorite kinds of celebration. Um, can you share with us what does dancing and dog dancing give to you? Mm, yeah. So before, you know, Danae and before dork dancing, I I would dance in my room. I think everyone does this, honestly. But I, I would just... Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> that's because... Interesting. Very interesting. Uh, well, maybe that's something that, you know, you can try in the future. Um, but for me, it was like, I, I love dancing <laughs> and I love music and they go hand in hand. And... I would always just constantly just be in my room dancing. And, and I think I mentioned this in my story, but sometimes in music, it's easy to lose yourself, for me at least. Um, I would listen to these songs and I would feel these emotions so deeply and uh, just lose myself. I would constantly be replaying because it's like I want to feel this emotion and sometimes I can't let go of wanting that feeling. Uh, and then when I would always pair it with dancing, it would bring me back to the present moment because I'm not thinking, you know, I can feel, I can feel those feelings without losing myself in them. And that's kind of what, you know, dancing does for me. It allows me to explore and kind of really just be in the moment. And uh, yeah, being at dork dancing is a different experience because it's out in public. <laughs> and there was anxiety when it came to thinking about just even showing up. For multiple reasons um but now i share this in my story but now when i go to dork dancing i you know i the anxiety isn't really there anymore and i feel comfortable and i feel okay because i know that i'm surrounded with other people who are going through the same the same struggle or was going through the same struggle but now feels comfortable um but yeah it's been amazing having dork dancing here and it's really helped a lot of people and I think it's going to continue to help a lot of people. Absolutely. Yeah. And it, it's a common thread across everybody that we speak to. Yeah. And the, the stories I have read on the Dork Dancing website, mm -hmm. how much it is really helping people. Olga, last week talked about this. And it, it's incredible. It's such a positive, vibrant atmosphere. Yeah, and it brings communities together that necessarily might not be there. Uh, I feel like it's easy to, to get involved in... Um, different types of communities that maybe are revolved around alcohol or drugs. Mm -hmm. um, but with this community, it's just a really safe place. And it's like everyone just has like one goal and it's just like to challenge themselves really and to do it in a space with each other. It's Yeah, it's really powerful. And honestly, people are having fun. Yeah, people are having so much fun. And there's so there's so much stuff that you can do with it too. It's, you know, it's turned into more than just dork dancing. It's, there's so many different events that you can take dork and you can kind of really put that anywhere. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's... it's hey, even talk turbo. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, uh, Quinn, Quinn Hanman uh, added his story on the Dark Dancing Call Us Mental uh, site this week. And I really loved his opening line. I'm dark dancing for mental health and I blame it all on Ethan Levy. <laughs> I read that and went, yes! That's exactly how I feel. Good, yeah. good work, Quinn. Yeah, I think we all can say that. <laughs> Ethan is definitely, uh, he is the motivation behind it all. And he's been there in support for everyone. Sierra, what advice would you give to somebody who is struggling with anxiety today? Mm, good question. 
Um, yeah, so kind of like what I said, uh, the friend that kind of helped me was just there listening. And uh, I think just being with someone in their presence and just listening to what they have to say is so important, especially because anxiety is, you know, it's not the same for everyone. It looks different. And sometimes it's hard to communicate what exactly it is you're feeling. So not coming from a place of, you know, of questioning too much because you can lose them in that process. Just being there and being in their presence and just listening to what they have to say is really the most important, I think, for me in terms of advice I would give someone. So yeah, thanks for asking that question. You're more than welcome. When you're talking to anyone, you should really just come from a place of wanting to listen, to understand, rather than, you know, having your own hidden agenda or like asking them questions because you don't know what anyone's going through. You can't see mental illness. Mm -hmm. You know, it's invisible. And you mentioned, you know, the support. When you looked for support, it wasn't, you didn't find it readily available. What would you say to somebody who's maybe in that same kind of situation as you and they're frustrated mm -hmm. with the, the support or the lack of support? Mm -hmm. what, what would you say to that person? Uh, well... In the case of our podcast, I would say listen to a podcast. <laughs> but no, seriously, um, just finding a community, just putting yourself out there. And that's probably going to be so hard, too. But just trying to find maybe one friend, mm -hmm. that one friend who has been there for you, who that you can, you know, you you trust and you're comfortable with that you can just talk to. Mm -hmm. um, but, yeah, it's not it's not an easy thing to do. Uh, but just you have to be vulnerable. Mm -hmm. And... Yeah, that's the that's what I can say. <laughs> and what you did say there though is listening to a podcast, but that really helped me. I know that's why I mentioned it. Yeah, yeah. like walk. Different things listening. help different people. So mm -hmm. it's like, you know, one thing that helped me might not help you. So you have to be. I'm, it's it's hard because when you're in a low place, it's like you know you give up and you're hopeless. But you have to find. You have to go back to the basics. You have to figure out exactly what it was, you know, what what makes you feel happier, what what can help you get through this. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I guess you just have to look within mm -hmm. <laughs> to figure out what are the basics for you. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Going back to basics really helped me. This this is mm -hmm. where this podcast came from because I said to you, Annie, actually January was an incredibly tough month mm -hmm. here in Denang. It's like the fourth month of rain. I was in Hoi An actually. I was like, oh, I I'd stopped writing and I really couldn't get anything done. I was like, okay. Then one day I was like, right, I have to go back to basics. Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, go back to podcasting. Started PRS Radio and now we're at Doctor Pod. Was that four months, five months? Ago? I know, crazy. But it's it's a really good piece of advice. I'm I'm so happy you said that because you know go back to basics is is powerful advice find what it is that works for you yeah exactly i feel like we over identify with so much stuff and it's like the basics that really matter so mm -hmm. what is it what is the thing that you find joy in the most or what is it what is it that you can do to bring peace to yourself in this moment mm -hmm. but yeah the basics it's and like i said it's different for everyone so and it's what you said there bring peace to you stop looking at other people yeah exactly yeah because Comparison is the thief of happiness. <laughs> Beautiful. It's it well remembered. I like that. You're right. It is. It is.
One of the lines, Sierra, you use in your story, and it really is beautiful, and I, I encourage everybody to go back and listen to Olga's story, go back to listen to Ethan's story. Um, you, you say, dork dancing, at dork dancing, I have a safe place to connect with myself and others. Mm. And that's what I really like about dork dancing here in Denang. It's not only, it's emotional connection, mm. because we're connected like never before on social media, but dark dancing and through the, all the dark events, people are emotionally connecting. Yeah, definitely. I think uh, it's easy to, you know, to make friends and to have light conversations, but with dark dancing, you're really confronting these heavier things. So it requires more deeper connections and more deeper conversations. So yeah, it's been, it's been, uh, it's been interesting, but yeah, it's, it's allowing so many more friendships to be built on these deeper foundations mm -hmm. and it's been incredible. Deeper foundations. I like that. Yeah. yeah. There's, there's actually something to the friendship. There is a, that common bond, mm -hmm. common understanding of each other. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Sierra, th thank you so much. I, I really mean that. Your story is incredibly powerful. This interview, I've really enjoyed it. We're here at the Windsor Tea House again. And I do mean that. I really, really enjoy speaking to you and spending time with you and Eaton. And last week, spending time with you, Eaton and Olga. It, it's been a really rewarding experience for me, myself, actually, as well. Um, so thank you. Yeah, thank you for having me. And it's kind of like we said, this door community you know, our relationships get deeper and mm -hmm. we build these deeper bonds. And this is another example of that. So, okay. yeah, thank you for having me. And there you have it, ladies and gentlemen, Sierra Darning. What an inspirational lady and member of the Dork community here in Da Nang, Vietnam. I really hope you have enjoyed this episode as much as I've enjoyed recording it actually with Sierra. To read the story in full, please check out the Call Us Mental section of the Dork Dancing website. I'll put a link in the show notes, but it's dorkdancing.com or you can search for Dork Dancing on Facebook. Now, we're going to release every episode of Dork Terrapod each Thursday around four o'clock as a podcast. I'll probably make a video the next day and put it on our Dork Terrapod Facebook page. Now, what we suggest you to do Get your walking shoes on around 4 o'clock. Head out for a stroll along the beach. Beautiful here in Da Nang. <laughs> no COVID here, folks. <laughs> so enjoy some podcast therapy on your way to Dork Dancing, which starts every day at 5 o'clock uh, here near Mikey Beach. That's Mikey <laughs> Beach or something like that there. On the next episode, Mr. Eaton Levy returns as the host, and he is going to interview uh, Millie. I don't remember Millie's surname. <laughs> I'm not doing well with the names today. Um, it's going to be an excellent episode. I'm, I'm really looking forward to that one as well. That's going to be episode five in the series, actually, uh, which is our halfway point. Our aim is to get 10 episodes recorded in season one. And we're going to take a, take a break for about six weeks after episode five and return with a bang at the start of June and finish up the season hopefully around the 10th of July. That's the plan anyway. <laughs> the best laid plans of men and mice, as they say. Now, 
The closing song on today's show is from a good mate of mine, Curtis Goodwolf. Kurt's up in uh, Hanoi. Uh, I'm actually heading up there this weekend to try and take part in a comedy competition, which is a bit of a joke in itself, uh, considering my lack of experience and uh, humor. But anyway, Kurt is up there and he recorded a brilliant song this week. Uh, I'm going to read what he said. Uh, he said, 30, 30 years ago this week, Temple of the Dog released their self-titled album, which contained Hunger Strike, which Kurt maintains is probably his favorite tune of all time, which features Eddie Vedder from Pearl Jam. I didn't know that. Duetting with Soundgarden's Chris Cornell. Now, if you have a song or piece of music that you would like to have played in this podcast, get in touch with us. If you have a dork dancing story, that you would like to share, get in touch with Mr. Eaton Levy, and then we can record it uh, as a podcast on Dork Therapod. You can get in touch with us through our Facebook page or in person. Now remember to share our podcast, share our posts, and enjoy this final song. It, it's absolutely cracking, Kurt. Thank you very much for sharing it and post it. Now, who knows? If you get in touch with us and you share your Dork Therapod story, who knows? Maybe it will just, well, inspire another. Inspire another story, inspire another person, inspire another initiative. Who knows what it might inspire. Thank you very much. My name is Eugene Leonard, or Mr. Terrapod, and you have been listening to Dork Terrapod. I don't mind stealing bread from the mouth of decadence. I can't feed off the powerless, the cup's already overfilled. Yeah. But it's on the table the fires cooking And the farming babies and slaves are out working Blood is on the table the mounds are choking I'm going
blood is on the table, the mouths are choking.